Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Y'all don't need to be acting like the weather right now. I need warm reception when I got cold outside. All right. Stand up with me. Hold your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads. Those of you at home, I know that you're under the covers right now. Get up. Put some clothes on before you do, but get up. And hold your Bible up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, I love that, that uh, verse. It says, prophesy uh, your promise. Uh, we have a lot of people in the world today that spend more time talking about the problem and zero time talking about the solution. Your solution is your decision to refuse to continue living the way you've lived. And I want to challenge us today to establish a new focus and a new commitment that when you get up in the day and you get up in the morning, and those of you at 11, when you get up in the afternoon, (laughs) that you begin to declare God's promises. I have a book that I, I put together years ago over the promises of God, that I, rather than just getting up and praying random prayers, I get up and I quote the Bible verses that, that mean something to me that, and that, that God gave to me. Because every day is a challenge for all of us. There's not one person here that is not challenged by something. And there are people that look like they have no challenges. And, and they're not hypocrites. They're not lying. They are just saying God is greater than the challenge I'm facing. Now, this month, we're doing this series, we got this week and then next week, Creating a Heart for God's House. God's house is a place where you can find uh, the presence of God, the power of God, people of God that bring to surface the purposes of God. When you get around people that are positive, you will eventually become positive. You can't help yourself. And I'm a very positive person, even in the midst of devastation. I remain positive because what I found in my old life, you know, when you get over 40, you learn a lot of things. I'll never be over anything other than 40. But, but I, I've learned that, you know, life happens and we get to choose how we respond to it. Now, why is church so important? If you, if you follow me on social media, you would have seen this post. Guys, put the first one up. I don't know which one it's going to be. I hope it's the one with... Well, this, is, this was not, but this will work. Uh, there you go. Uh, just read this. Now, Mama, you don't have to, now, Mama, you don't have to go to church to, to go to heaven. She said, well, you don't have to wear a parachute to jump out of an airplane either, but it certainly helps. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven, but, folks, let me tell you something. Uh, it surely helps. You know, when you get encouraged and, uh, and, and you get happy about, about life, and you just look at life, and you go, you know what, bring it on, uh, and, and, and you, you just determine, I'm not going to stay in the funk I've been in, and you get around people who decide they're not going to stay in that funk either, 
And, you know, we, we always talk about all the things we don't have. And, and some of you in relationships to your spouse or uh, other people, you, you can point out all the negatives in their life. But you forget that there are a lot of positives there. And, uh, you know, if, if your spouse can't cook, uh, you know, applaud them for that, that ham and cheese. Now, I'm fortunate I, I got a spouse who can cook, but I'm easy to please, man. You put some fuel in me and I can run. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a foodie. Some of y'all are foodies, man. You got to have it doctored up. I'm like, just give me some fuel. I got to get back out on the track. You know, so all you foodie people, God bless you, love you. Don't ever have me over for dinner because I will not praise great food. I'll eat it and say, let's go get her done. When you come to church, it's a place to get filled up. It's a place to say, look, I'm going to find something good today. I mean, you know, church is really a messy place. I call it the emer spiritual emergency room. Because we all come here with something that needs patched up today. And, you know, don't get mad at the doctor when he gives you a shot. He's trying to kill the pain you're about to experience. <laughs> I know you don't like needles, but most people don't. But I'm going to tell you, thank God for that needle. Because if he didn't give that, it's going to hurt what's going to So, you know, you come in, you, 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 we're going to try to numb the pain through worship. And then I'm going to preach to you. And when you get out, you'll probably need to worship when I'm done. Because we're going to have some truth up in the house today. All right. Now, today we're going to talk about in the house of the Lord, we cultivate aggressive faith. Not just faith, but aggressive faith. In other words, it's not just enough. It's not enough to just prophesy the promises of God. As you prophesy and declare the promises of God, those promises that you hear coming into your head and your heart are to motivate your feet to move. And we have a lot of people that talk big, but we have a lot of people that don't live big because they don't walk big. And so when you begin to declare the promises of God, you get faith inside you. This is aggressive. And, and I'm not talking about just thinking. I'm talking about declaring. Paul said, we believe, therefore we speak. When you believe something, you need to declare that what you believe. Because faith comes by what you hear. So does fear. If you say you can't, you probably can't. If you say you can, you probably can. And if you keep saying what you believe that you can, you probably will. Sometimes we have to talk ourselves into what we're going to walk ourselves into. When I started Mosaic, March 20th of 2016, I had no idea what to expect, but I knew that God did. And so I just relied on him and said, God, awaken, awaken people who are supposed to be here. And by the way, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people that are supposed to be at Mosaic that I pray for on a regular basis saying, God, awaken them to your plan for their life and the place that plan is going to come to fruition. Now, you know, we think that we can make our own decisions and our own choices. If that were the case, I would not be living in this culture because it's freaking cold outside. I, I mean, once you, get over, once you get over 40, 24 makes no sense. I'm talking about degrees. There is, uh, this Oklahoma City is on nobody's bucket list 
I've traveled all over the world. And I asked people, I said, in London or Cape Town, South Africa, where do you want to go? If you could go anywhere in America, guess what I've never heard? Oklahoma City. I have got to visit Oklahoma City before I die. It's usually L.A., Chicago, New York City, Miami. I have yet to hear my city named. Now, I love y'all, and I love the people of this city. I hate this time of year, and I'm just going to have a moment that you've got to deal with your pastor dealing with this time of year. I want to ask Jesus, what were you thinking when you created the Midwest? Flat, cold, dead, and ugly. Every place on earth ought to have palm trees and beaches, rolling hills, and sunshine on my shoulders. Makes me happy. So you all going to get a little bit of a grumpy pastor for about four more weeks. I'll do my best to get upbeat. Just having a moment right now. So let's read the Bible before I get in trouble. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verse 37. The Lord, this is David, who delivered me from the paw of the lion. David is responding to Saul. Goliath is taunting Israel. And his brothers are at war Goliath is, is taunting Israel. Saul is becoming a coward. And, and little David's out taking care of his father's uh, sheep. And, and lions and bears are trying to come and eat them. And tigers and everything else you can imagine. I'm just embellishing a moment. And David is delivering supplies to the front line. And he hears a giant taunting God's people. Now, when you fall in love with God, you're really in love with God. It bothers you a little bit when someone begins to discount the power of the Almighty. When someone says, nothing good's ever going to happen for me, I look and say, you're taunting me. You're telling me God (coughs) is not bigger than your problem. God's not greater, God's not stronger when I know that he is. Because I've been through hell, I got the map. And guess what, I navigated right out of that. All you got to do in the middle of your hell is say Jesus and Satan will be showing you the exit. He can't stand the name. So in the midst of our darkest hour and our darkness, we've got to recall the glory and the power of God. In the midst of our great weakness. So David comes to the front lines and he says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's taunting the armies of God? And so his brothers start criticizing him, saying, Hey, go back, go back to the sheep. Get out of here. Who do you think you are? Little David. But David had a big God inside him. And he says, the Lord who delivered me, because David says, somebody got to take this giant, I'm going to take him. From the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. This is King Saul. Little nobody, no nothing from the backside of nowhere, David. Because some of y'all feel like you're a nobody on the backside of nowhere, You're forgotten by God. You're forgotten by everybody else. Let me tell you something. 
God will never not only forget you, but he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So when you hear a bad report from family members, how many of you know that's where they often come from? Because family members get jealous that you would dare rise up and speak with a confidence they've never had. And you bow your knee to somebody else's opinion of you. Well, you shouldn't go back to Oklahoma City and start a church, Mark Crow. How dare you do that? Look, you got to talk to my boss. I'm not in charge of me. When daddy, boss, CEO, CFO, God himself says you do something, you don't go, hey, we need to talk about this. There ain't no discussion. He created Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done. And if you're watching from New York, I really don't even know how to phrase that. (laughs) Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Look, if his tunic isn't going to work for him, what makes you think it's going to work for David? And he's twice as big as David. David would have to go to a tailor before he could go out and fight Goliath in Saul's gear to get it all trimmed down. He put a coat of armor on him, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Some of y'all need to get the sling out, and you need to exercise aggressive faith. Now, this is the same David who said, I was glad, in Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. David's passion began in the house of the Lord. Strength comes in the house of the Lord. In a society that believes we can do whatever we want and get God to do whatever we need him to do, you're not in charge, I'm not in charge. And you know why some people won't be in church today? Because it's cold. But they'll go on the golf course. I'm talking to you. It's funny how we can excuse ourselves from a commitment that could change our lives forever All in the name of it's cold outside. We got a sissy generation. I'm getting ready to get nasty right now. Well, you mean I have to, you mean I have to drive 20 minutes to get to church? You drive 45 knucklehead to go to work five days a week. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Red Bull. You have to wonder how come David was so different than the brothers that grew up with him in the same home. See, you can't blame your family for where you are today. David stood out in the midst of brothers who were cowards and bowed out. He had a different heart God said this was a man after his own heart. Doesn't talk all about David's skill set, but David's skill set was a result of David's focus to do what he was called to do. 
And here's what happens. The very first thing you have to fight is deception. The ugly thing about deception is people who are deceived don't know they're deceived. That's why it's called deception. So you need somebody in your life to look at you and say, why are you thinking what you're thinking? Why are you saying what you're saying? They go, what, what do you mean? Have you ever been around somebody like that? I've been caught in that before. A friend of mine spoke to me and it was like a brick in my head going, you're right. What am I thinking? Why would I say that? And it awakened me to a declaration that was false because I was deceived. David could have listened to his brothers who said, look, go back, you little nothing. And David said, no, I'm not letting this giant taunt the God I serve. I would rather die than to listen to this because I know who God is. There is no way I can kill a lion and a bear with a rock without the help of the rock. And I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson up in here. We are deceived into believing something that's not true, which is the devil's only weapon that he can utilize because he doesn't have more power than you. If God is in you, what can stand against you? A deceiver and a liar that would convince you that you amount to nothing. You didn't make good enough grades in school. You were in the worst part. You were in the 20% of the class that made the upper 80% possible. That means you are being groomed to be incredible. Because you don't rely on your own skills, you trust in God. Many people who are told they can't wake up and say, you may say I can't, but I know I can because I know who God is. Deception. Believing something that isn't true. People created all the time. There was a man who returned to his parked automobile and found that his bumper had been crumpled, that somebody had hit him. And as he looked at it, just for a moment, he was discouraged. He thought, I'm going to have to get this fixed. Then all of a sudden, he looks on his windshield, and there's a note under his windshield wiper. And in his mind, he's thinking, great. He said, you know, I'm absolutely sure that... God is with me because this man, whoever it was, or this woman that hit my car left a note. But the note read this, like this. There are at least 20 people. This is the guy that hit him. There are at least 20 people watching while I write this. They think I'm putting down my name, address, and phone number, but I'm not. Some of y'all didn't catch that. Deception. Deception. David could have been deceived by his brother's words into believing that just because you killed a lion and a bear doesn't qualify you to kill a giant. Some of you have giants in your life, if not all of us have giants in our lives. And you wake up to their voice every day. And you got a nine-foot human being looking at an army going, bring it. And you've got a king anointed by God who is afraid to rise up and stand against the voice of deception. You'll never get promoted. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never get ahead. You'll be broke the rest of your life. Everything is your fault. 
This is not about finding fault. This is about finding God. We have too many people trying to find fault in others instead of the strength of God in themselves. We can cry over what happened or we can rise up and make things happen. We get so convinced sometimes by deception that we begin to see what doesn't exist and what's not really there. When I was a kid, we grew up in a very small community, Susan and I did. It was called Berry Hill. It's west of Tulsa. We were also called River Rats because we were on the west side. And it was a small independent school district, and the high school, junior high and elementary were all right together. There was a street that divided the two of them. Elementary was on one side, junior high and high school were across the street. And because people had to walk across the street, there was an old sign uh, that they put up uh, to let people know. We didn't have flashing lights back then, and it wasn't 25. That's how come my generation is so fast. We grew up dodging cars. (laughs) And uh, one night, I was in the car with my dad, my mom, my brothers, and, and we were... It was kind of a dark night and kind of a rainy night. And it was really kind of one of those Alfred Hitchcock type nights, just really kind of eerie. And, and so my dad tops the hill right before we're going into this, the, this area of the school. And it was a, a Friday night. And, and uh, he kind of stopped because he saw something in the road. And, and the, he, he stops the car, and when he does, there's, we're right on this little small road, and rolls his window down because he sees somebody standing there. He goes, what is that? What's that up there in the road? And, and they told him, um, school sign, but what my dad heard was mountain lion. And it freaked him out. Why? Because in his mind, he had already made up his mind that this was weird. And what had happened was the school monitor did not move the sign out of the middle of the road after that Friday school day. And that sign is in the road. And my dad thought it was a mountain lion. See, we create images in our minds that bring fear to our hearts. Some of you all are looking at your debt instead of looking at God who is... Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You have no issues. You have no problems that God cannot solve with your cooperation. But deception comes to discourage you as it did in the time of David. How many of you remember the Wizard of Oz? Now, I know that that, that religious people would hate it if I mentioned this from the stage. The Wizard of Oz. One of my favorite shows of all time as a kid. uh, That was back in the day when we had ABC, CBS, and NBC. And... Wizard of Oz was in black and white. I remember when it first came out in color. It was really awesome. Then the ruby red slippers made sense. Because up to that point, they were gray. And so, I remember being so caught up in it. And when they show up at, at, at the castle of, of Oz, and then they walk in in this big voice. Remember the big voice? Anybody not watched it? Go home and rent it. And... And they walk in, and this big voice from behind the curtain brought fear to, to their hearts, Dorothy. And finally, Toto. Remember Toto? We're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. Thank God. I'm just going to tell you right now, when God made Kansas, he was already done. It was just like, yeah, there's a little land there. 
Kansas. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you're from Kansas, it's a great place to be from. I am surprised it's even habitable anymore. I mean, who wants to live in Kansas? I mean, anyway, so <laughs> Toto pulls the curtain back, and here's this little bitty man speaking through a microphone which created deception that caused fear in the hearts of, Dor- hearts of Dorothy and her friends trying to get home. Once the curtain was pulled back, confidence arose. See, some of y'all, all I'm doing when I preach is pulling the curtain back. I'm just giving you a look into what can be in your life. You gotta stop looking at what has been and what is and what family you come from. You grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Guess what I did? I just got out and tore the tracks up. Don't build a track between me and my destiny. Mark, you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. You grew up in Berry Hill. I mean, nobody. I mean, there were 54 people graduated my graduating class. I mean, we were nothing. We were nobody from nowhere. Matter of fact, I played more homecoming football games than any kid in history because everybody knew they could beat us. <laughs> hey, let's play Berry Hill for homecoming. I think they drew straws to see who got Berry Hill because we can win that game. Everybody wants to win at homecoming. And when you grow up in that way on that side of the tracks, if you're not careful, you become that side of the track. Believing something that is not true. Aggressive faith means death death to past failings. If I said to in, in this room, I said, how many of you have succeeded and what have you succeeded at? Some of you would not even be able to think of one thing that you've done well. But if I said, tell me about your mistakes, you can list them like this. Because that's what sin does to us. You need to stop thinking about all the things you've done wrong. And you need to start dreaming about all the things right that are going to happen in your life. Listen, when I look at this right now, all I see, we don't have a chair open in this house. Now, some of you would look around and say, well, I see some. It's because you're looking with the wrong eyes. Remember the story of Elisha, his servant? And, and, and his servant looked up on the hills, and they, he saw all these, this army surrounding him. Elisha said, look again. And then there were angels everywhere. I got to tell you right now, I got some big angels. You don't ever jack with me. To the right of me, to the left of me. Huge wings, swords. Don't jack with me. And they know how to break dance. David overcame the deception that he was too small to fight such a large giant and that this person would kill him. There's an old saying, you guys have heard me preach any period of time, it's something I've always thought about. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. You can't measure what can be based on what you see with your natural eyes. You have to see with spirit eyes what can become something absolutely unimaginable to the human mind. Because God is able to do more than we can think or imagine according to the power that works in us. Aggressive faith does not expect God 
to do something without our participation. People say, God, I'm praying you bless me financially, but you won't look for a job. I'm meddling now. God expects us to exercise aggressive faith. Secondly, you have to confront your own behavior. Quit confronting everybody else's. You've got to silence the voices in your mind more than you have to silence the voices outside. You have to speak to yourself. You don't have to tell others what you can do. You have to tell yourself what you can do. Let others watch what you've told yourself and what you do. This is not about everybody else. Problem is, we want to fix everybody else. We want to make everybody else so good that they can fix us. So if I fix them, they'll fix me. Nobody can fix you but you. Nobody can fix me but me. And we all have reasons. We've done what we've done. Excuses. The reality is that the only one who can change the trajectory of your life is you. David is in the midst of the king of Israel. Think about this. The king is too afraid to go face the giant. Think about what David has to overcome for a moment. David is going to steal Saul's thunder. Everybody's watching this exchange between David and Saul. And in David's mind, I can promise you, he's thinking, if I do this and I win, I might get killed by the king of my country because I did something he himself would not or could not do. And we measure our decisions by how people will respond to those decisions. It doesn't matter how people respond to those. You've lived your life by other people's opinions long enough. What you should and shouldn't do. What you could or could not become. Look, I wasn't at the front of a class of 54. That's pathetic. I was in the 20% that made the upper 80% stellar. Nobody would pick me coming here. I wouldn't even have picked me. I don't know what God was thinking. I guess I was one of the foolish things he used to confound the wise. At least I was a thing. It's fun living for God. It's fun. It's a joy just getting up every day going, I don't care what the opinion of the world is about me. And trust me, in my world, there are some opinions. And I'm happy. And when you get happy, you will irritate unhappy people. You don't do it for that reason, but it is a perk. <laughs> that you just decide, I'm going to be happy and joyful and and, you know, maybe you can even become contagious. And maybe people that get around you will just be happy when they're around you. And I've been around people who are depressing. Have you ever been around those people? They're called Eeyores. It's an Eeyore small group. 
one of the things in my world that I've decided is I don't have any enemies. I've chosen not to have any enemies. Now, I'm the enemy of some people. Some people have made me their enemy. It's really boring. I don't have any enemies because I've chosen not to have any. It doesn't mean I'm happy with everybody all the time, but I don't have any enemies. You're not my enemy. I'm not fighting against you. I didn't come back here to prove anything in Oklahoma City to anybody but God. I came back to prove to God I'll do whatever he asked me to do. In 1989, when God asked me to run across America, little did I know that Forrest Gump would copy me. I really did it. Tom Hanks didn't, and he got paid a lot more than I did. But everybody had an opinion. Why would you do that? Because God said do it. And I want to prove to God that whatever God asked me to do, I'm going to do it. I've got a lot of flaws, but one flaw I decided I could not afford to live with was disobedience. Because that flaw will bite you every time if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Just read the whole chapter. And God said, if you'll obey me, you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. When your enemies come at you from one direction, I'll make them flee in seven. I just love the Bible because God tells me all the things that will happen if I just do what he says to do. And it's strange sometimes. Bless those who persecute you. No, God, I want to hit them in the mouth. God says, no, but if you'll bless them, I'll take care of everything else. If they hit you on one cheek, turn, let them hit you on the other. Things that make no sense. And just smile. Aggressive faith doesn't know the word can't. It just refuses to bow its knee as David refused to bow his knee to a giant that was making fun of God himself. You know, I love y'all, love Mosaic Church. I'm having the time of my life. I'm just having fun. I don't worry about any much anymore. It's like, hey, whoever shows up, shows up. And those who show up will grow up. But here's what I feel like. I just feel like there are thousands of people that need to hear what I have to say. Say, that's arrogant. I'm just prophesying the promise. God, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Well, we lift Jesus up here. We're not lifting, pro- we're not living, living, uh, lifting up problems. We're, we're lifting up Jesus. And I know it challenges those who are challenged today to hear a positive message of faith. And I want it to inspire you, not to condemn you. I want it to lift you up as you lift him up. Miracles are on the horizon. We never have served an age of miracles. You know, a lot of churches today, even mainline, mainstream denominations, don't believe in miracles. They say that was a dispensation of miracles. That was when Jesus was here. We've never served a dispensation of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who parted the Red Sea that stood between Israel and his promise stood back and watched them walk across on dry ground. 
And if the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why wouldn't he do for us what he did for them? I'm holding him to that. And I am telling you right now, you have yet to see what God will do in this house. People are going to walk through these doors that have never liked me and never liked this church all because their miracle resides in their obedience, not in me. Susan and I had lunch with a couple, precious couple, Friday. And he all but told me years ago when I pastored Victory that he didn't like me, didn't like Victory. And now he's having lunch with me and coming to Mosaic. Cheers. Worship pastor was one of them. Mark Ryan came to me one day, and this is why I love this guy. I didn't know who he was. And he asked for a meeting, and I met with him. He sat down, and he said, I just want to apologize to you. He said, we used to talk to you, talk about you in the church I was in and laugh about you. And he said, I'm here to apologize to you. I had such respect for him, will always have respect for him, and now he's my worship leader. And I thank God for people like Mark Ryan. That's a man right there. I'm sure he didn't want to come and visit me. I've done the same thing. I've had to go apologize to people for my conversations about them. Because I want God to work in my life. I want God to work in your life. But you have to confront the deception that you deserve to be mad at somebody. You deserve to be mean to somebody. They have mistreated you. I have yet to be mistreated to the measure that Christ was mistreated because I have yet to be crucified. Until I'm crucified, I don't have anything to talk about. I've been talked about, criticized, but I have yet to be crucified. So guess what? I'm a pretty happy camper. And even if I was crucified, I could then even more greatly identify with my Savior. So come on, bring it on. Greater is God in you than the challenge you have in this world. Exercise aggressive faith this week. Don't get up and go, que sera, sera, what will ever, ever will be, will be today. Get up and say, devil, when you sit up in the morning, you put your feet on the ground. Devil, you're not going to like what's going to happen today. Because me and Jesus are fixing to walk on your head today. And by the way, you can tell me what brand of shoe I got on about 5 o'clock this evening because it's going to be on your forehead. See, now, real meek people look at me and they go, hmm, poor guy. Just so arrogant. No, I'm 110% confident that all 66 books in the Bible were designed by God for my use. Yeah. I want to encourage you. Create a heart for God's house. Be glad when somebody says, Sunday, we're going to the house of the Lord. We're going to be filled with faith. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, thank you for your word that is true yesterday, today, and forever. It never loses its power. 
Lord, I pray for everyone watching online, everyone in the house today. God, I pray that we would laugh in the morning when we awaken without even realizing we're laughing, that you would awaken us with laughter because your word says laughter is good medicine. And I know that we will be criticized for laughing when we're in facing crisis, problems, whatever it is. But God, it does no good to dwell on those things. We're going to dwell on all the good things, the things that you've created, the promises you've made. Greatest promise of all, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no greater promise than the promise of salvation, eternal bliss with God. And I want to pray a prayer right now and ask all of you to pray this with me. And there will be some of you that pray this for the very first time. And you'll become a follower of Christ today. Faith will fill your heart. Joy will fill your mouth. Laughter. God is a good God. Pray this with me, everybody here watching online as well. Pray this. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only begotten son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for lovingly and willingly obeying your father and giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call you Lord, Savior, friend, and master. Amen.